Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. already a weekend basically to 2022 i am thinking it's going to be a stellar year hope it is for you too thanks so much for being here today i am talking to a friend a licensing agent a wonderful creative person alicia dauber alicia lives here a couple hours away from me in the pacific northwest so pre-covid i got to see her every once in a while and i've had the really great good fortune of working with her and several of the artists she represents for years now. And it's always a treat. She is just a positive light that sees nothing but possibility for the people she works with. Alicia is the owner and active principal of Licensing Liaison, a full-service art licensing agency based in the Pacific Northwest that has been in business for the last 17 years an awesome track record. Alicia represents talented artists who develop imaginative concepts that are unique and specific for manufacturers who need them. And that's what being a licensing agent is all about. As a hands-on principal agent, Alicia, her staff, and the artists she represents at Licensing Liaison are adept at going beyond an image-only presentation to maximize design ideas and concepts for a client's need and product collection. And we talk a lot about that. She really has a great approach and a very, very artistic eye. In her home life, Alicia is a mother to two amazing kids, now college students, and also the mother to two adorable Boston Terrier fur babies. She lives with her commercial fisherman hubby, George, in Bellingham, Washington. She never gets tired of the rain there, but loves to see the sun come out too. In her spare time, she sings with a jazz quartet with talented and fun musicians in her local area. So grab your tea, wine, paintbrush, whatever you're doing, and here's Alicia. I'm so thrilled you're with me today, Miss Alicia. Hey, Margo. How are it's you? Great to be with you. I'm, I'm great. It's really fun to, that you've asked me to be a part of this. Well, you know, I think a lot of the listeners always are interested in knowing more about licensing, about agents, about how to get yourself in front of the right person. What's too much? What's not enough? Is my portfolio ready? All 
the questions that I get. So plus I think you're fantastic and I love the business you've built so much. Likewise. Thank Likewise. You. Thank you. So I just thought we should, you know, share some of, share some of your magic. Awesome. Well, so I, and there's a lot of the, even though we've spent time together, I don't really know how you got into this. And it's, it's something that I've, you know, thought about off and on for years and been asked about, and always said, no, I'm busy doing other things, but, um, tell me a little bit about how you kind of got here. Okay. Well, um, yeah, so I'm not an artist, but I've always really enjoyed being around creative energy, whatever that might be. Um, and I, so after college, I was really lucky to get a job with an artist here in Bellingham, whose name was, is Jody Bergsma. And she had a beautiful gallery and kind of a small company here in Bellingham, where I live in the Pacific Northwest. And her gallery was kind of a magical building looking because it was designed and built to look like a ship. Mm, So there were flags flying from the turrets and there were decks and ladders that you could climb like ship ladders, like, you know, going up the side of the building. And um, there was just a lot of energy and a really fun feeling around the business. And um, so she would have a couple of art openings every year. She had, and she would have food and music and people in the community would come and support her. And she was a a really a great entrepreneur. Um, She had two different art styles, one of which was a more commercial style. And she called that style, the little people. And the little people were these little hand numbered art prints that, um, you know, they were accompanied by verse and they celebrated all of life's occasions and celebrations. Um, and they didn't cost a lot. You could buy them in various sizes. You could buy them matted or framed. And they were, they were really just the perfect heartfelt little gift giving item. And people would come into her gallery and of course it was a beautiful gallery and there was a coffee shop in the gallery and, you know, they would come in there and, and, just stand there and read all of these prints and some people would cry. And I mean, um, and she'd actually been doing this for several years before I met her. So she had probably a couple of hundred prints and she would add to the collection every year. Um, But I would watch these people come into the gallery and they would literally load up their arms with these little treasures and spend a couple hundred bucks at a whack. Yeah. You know, and she would wow. personalize them for everybody. And so it was just a huh. no brainer. I mean, it was a right. lovely, lovely gift. So, and I think working with her was where I really, it was the first time I really learned the importance of words mm-hmm. and words in conjunction with art and particularly mm-hmm. how sentiment could affect the sale, oh, I love the that. sale by creating emotion Yes. Um, and it, and I would notice that sometimes people would buy the art because of the artwork. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people would buy it because it said the perfect thing. And I just totally. found that to be really fascinating. And so I, I actually met her. We were both in a singing group together and I was just getting ready to graduate from college. And she said, you know, I'd really like to find somebody to help me develop my wholesale sales. Uh-huh. And 
uh, she had a handful of stores that were buying her work, you know, but it was kind of a small operation. And, and I was like, oh, me, 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 you know, I'll do it. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the creative job I've been looking for. And yeah. um, so I started working with her and, you know, it, it, I, it wasn't a job that I really made a lot of money at, especially uh-huh. in the beginning. Um, but I tell you, it was the best job because I received a wealth of experience oh, and such a great lesson takeaway um, because, you know, the experience you receive is really like currency yes. that you can take with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And she sort of, she and her husband, Rocky, they just sort of let me run with it. And so I would go to them and say, you know, I've heard of these things called gift shows. You know, what do you think? Should I, can I go and travel and start setting up? booths and they said yeah 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 and I learned so much I mean uh we developed point of purchase displays in variety of sizes so you know I could sell a Hallmark store or a little gift shop anywhere from between two feet to seven feet of running space oh my gosh so these stores could have like their own little mini gallery and have all of her prints and was a pretty successful, I mean, we started kind of making a mark and getting some traction. And, you know, I learned how to develop a catalog and I learned how to, I hired a national sales rep force and trained reps and, um, you know, and then the line grew, we were doing more products and I learned what issues small retailers face, Mm -hmm. you know, merchandising and how do you break even? How do you have a profit margin? What does that even mean? Yeah. Um, so, good. so, so many things that, you know, it was just a, a bevy of interesting times. Um, and then eventually we started as the product categories grew that we were doing, we started ordering overseas from vendors, um, getting journals from Korea. And so I was talking to the makers and ordering all of those products into the warehouse. And, um, and then down the road from there, we got inquiries about licensing. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just like I was in the right place at the right time and, and they needed somebody to do it. So I learned all about, I put a licensing program together for her. And that was where I got to learn about contracts and what goes in a contract and, you know, how do you put a, a, a collection of goods together? And I just found that I really enjoyed that aspect of her business more than any business or any part of the business that I had done so far to, to be able to take her art that we'd already been selling, which was fun mm-hmm. and then put it onto completely different set of goods. You know, we had yeah. figurines from Royal Dalton and we had yeah. greeting cards with lean entry and it was just, yeah. it was just, it was wonderful. So you started um, to see how one person's art could really move across many many types of product and in many categories. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I really also learned as a young woman, you know, how to go and talk to anyone Yeah. and um, how to reach out. And because there really was no training involved. I mean, it was just sort of learned by the seat of your trial by fire, you know, but you learned such great things because those are your, (sighs) those were your clients, customers, you know, from all those levels, from small retailers, all the way up to manufacturing and licensing. That was really, yeah. And and we ended up getting accounts with Disney and she would do Mm -hmm. signings in the magic kingdom and the castle and sea world. And so we, we kind of were able to do a nice mix of 
you know, within that wholesale account base and valuable, valuable experience. Um, and I, so I ended up staying in that job for 18 years. Wow, Elisa. I know it was a really long career. I've only had two. I had that one and this one. And, two good ones. Uh, two good ones. That's right. And so, you know, through, through that time, I eventually got married and I had a couple of children. My kids were two and five at the time and um, they're in college now. So that tells you how long ago that was. And I just found that I, I just didn't want to travel as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been traveling flat out, mm-hmm. you know, four months easy out of the year for over a decade, as you do yeah. in a national sales manager job where you're going to show to show to show to show and training yeah. reps and here's the new stuff. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, So I was kind of trying to figure out what to do because I wanted to be home with my children. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to have that kind of a lifestyle. I wanted to do some travel, but not that incessant all the time. So I had a, had a really still a really good friend of mine whose name is Millie Sherman. And she had a PR business, a successful PR business in LA. And she worked with artists in the gift industry. And she said, you know, Alicia, why don't you start a licensing agency? I mean, Mm. you love this business. It's, you're good at it. It's fun for you. You know, why don't you, why don't you do that? And so, you know, I thought about it and uh, I talked to my, (laughs) I talked to my husband and he was like, what is it you want to do? You know, and (laughs) it just cracks me up because it's so funny if you, as you know, if you're outside of the industry that we are in, mm-hmm. you don't even know it exists. It's like no. products just magically <laughs> just, appear on shelves. Exactly. How do they get to, I don't know how they get to the stores, you know? It so he didn't up. know either. He was like, what? You know? So um, anyway, long story short, um, I decided to try it. And um uh, you know, I just, I, I really didn't need to, to work. I was fortunate, but I, I felt that there was a career out there mm-hmm. that I just somewhere that I needed to do for myself right, um, right. that tapped into something special. And, you know, I really look at this business as a creative outlet for me. Yes. Exactly. It feels very creative, even though I'm not creating the art. Well, you know, when you think about um, the people you represent, I would think, you know, and I've when I picture that it's, it's people that you want to be with. It's, it's people that you have a friendship with. It's people that you believe in. It's people that, you know, you can help grow their, their careers. That's, that's kind of why, why you do it. In, in the best sense, that mm-hmm. is exactly, that's exactly, um, you know, what I'm always looking for is it's really, it really has to be that back and forth of synergy. Um, I've always, that's felt- important you know, I've, I've been able to work with you and, and, and some of you, some of your artists off and on in a couple of different places for a long time. And I've always felt like even walking through Surtex, it was like, oh, there's Alicia, you know, and, and it would be, you'd want to stop and just have a conversation anyway. You know, even if you weren't looking for something, it was like, you know, you could just tell you were somebody that you'd want to go sit down and have a conversation with or a glass of wine with or whatever. And, <laughs> and I think, because of that, I feel like your artists are true blue and, and you have, you really help them create a niche in the market for their product and help them make product that wouldn't have existed otherwise where, and create product that, that is really 
unusual and interesting, but in the same for the clients that you work with, the manufacturers or other businesses, those become like, I don't know if, how a lot of um, listeners think about it, but when you're an agent and when you're a manufacturer also working with an agent, ideally you don't just do one deal, right? You, you create a relationship. Not if you want to eat. <laughs> Not if you want to eat. You create a relationship <laughs> and you know you can count on that person and you become friends and you, be, you work together towards solutions time, month about- after month. Year You're after talking year. about the artist agent relationship. Yeah. Or the, manu- the, yeah, yeah. the artist and the agent manufacturer relationship as yeah. well. Yeah. Because but, the manufacturers and- you work with, you, you create friendships with, and they want to come back to you because of the kind of person you are and the artist you represent and the solutions you bring them, you know? Well, that's what you hope. And, and at the same time, there's always never any guarantees, you know, of course so, not. so it's a, it's, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as we continue, but, you know, you really have to be a good manager of your time and, yes, there's and, and put together, not waste people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, That's because such a good point. I, oh, time is the big quantity or commodity, I guess, that none of us ever have enough of. And so, um, yeah, you know, targeted presentations and really thinking about and and realizing sometimes it's just not going to work. I mean, you know, it may not fit the manufacturer's vision or whatever, but um, but boy, I tell you, you know, it's this business. I'm so glad it's been 17 years now, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. But it was so hard in the beginning, you know, like any business you're starting, and it's like. Oh my gosh, you feel like you're trying to just move this inertia and get people to respond to your emails and phone calls. And I think any business that mm-hmm. you're starting from scratch and you got to set yeah. up a website and travel to trade shows on your own dime. And I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a big deal. And that's changed a lot too. And that that'll, you know, I'm just there's a lot of questions. Like, how how did you how did you who'd you start with? Like, how did you figure out how you wanted to roll forward with that? Uh, well, it was very organic. Uh, (laughs) I, my friend Millie, who I mentioned, she had a couple of artists that she hooked me up with that she was doing PR for. Mm. And so I started working with them and then they introduced me to other artists that they knew. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of, grew from there, you know, in a slow, steady way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Um, and I, I was gonna, I was thinking about, you know, your podcast that you did in to say a few words about that, your, your podcast that you did in, um, Thanksgiving where you were talking about having a sense of gratitude mm, Yes, yeah, in your life. And, you know, uh, setting intentions for possibility and how powerful that is. And mm-hmm. boy, I tell you, for me, you know, I having a written vision or a short list of writing down why you want and what you want to do is so powerful. And mm-hmm. for anybody starting their own business really helps to like set that internal compass. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing what can happen when you, when you really commit to something. And I feel like when you either think it through in your mind or especially write it, you're, you're kind of putting it out there in a way that 
I don't know, the universe, whatever you want to sure. call it. It it just starts things. And, and I honestly, I think it's aligning your mind, right? You're thinking, okay, I've committed to this. I've written it on paper or said yeah. it out loud to my friend or whatever it is. And then you start to move towards that. I feel like. And something simple, you know, that's mm-hmm. just bullet points that you can mm-hmm. read before you go to sleep. You can read when you wake up, um, um, you know, because in the beginning, it just felt like there were so many obstacles, you know, working late at night when my kids were asleep or trying to create that real mojo. So um, I actually um, I sat down. I actually dug this out, my my mission statement, and I thought I could read it if you want. Would you I like to hear it? I absolutely would love that. So is this when you started? You <laughs> of course yeah. I would. <laughs> this was the mission statement for success that I wrote when I was getting started. So it's just short. So it says, to have respectful and profitable business relationships with artists and manufacturers, to be instrumental in creating a little magic every day. Hmm. Each email will take time. Treat each one with care. Working for myself will bring flexibility to my schedule, making me available for my kids and family. And then um, I love this one. Money is a good thing and I will do good things with it. Bring on the money, (laughs) you know, know, like put it out there. And then I promise to give back a percentage of what I earn to causes that are good for the world. Um, So you know, and I'm ready to be successful. That was the final, final. Oh my gosh, Alicia. These, these are fantastic. I, all of those have such strong, well, they sound like you, which of course makes perfect sense. Um, but I love that there's magic. That was number two. And, and you said something about money and success and integrity. And, you know, I, I just, my logo is the rune symbol for growth. Hmm. Perfect. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. And I think I saw an Oprah or something. Uh, and I, you've talked about this, you know, you should print it out and put it everywhere. And so I had one in my checkbook and one in my wallet mm. and, and to thumbtack to my wall and, um, you know, I, one step at a time, one good relationship upon another, and you learn lessons and how to work smarter. And pretty soon, I mean, not soon, but after a bit, I had, mm-hmm. I had an established agency, but it does take time. I love so. that you even went so far as to say something about, you know, holding those emails with um, grace, you know? <laughs> I think yeah, because I found I was getting into this frantic thing of mm-hmm. trying to, you know, and really it's not about that. It's about just having intent, even with the written email, just some little small thing. And uh, do you suggest to your artists that they, do something like that? Have you ever worked like that? with? You know, I haven't. Um, I've sort of just kept that for me. I haven't really mentioned it to too many people. I love Um, it. Would you say it's changed much or is it still very similar? I would say it's pretty similar. And Mm -hmm. I have written some revisions and, you Mm -hmm. know, this will be the best year of my life or Mm -hmm. things are always working out for me. Mm -hmm. Simple things like that, that I Oh, yeah, it's pretty, so it's much. pretty much the same. Yeah. And it's, it's just so powerful. Thank you for sharing you know? that. Yeah. And then also being open to learning that things might show up as something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Over and over again. We are so you know? sure we, we have it all figured out and we do not. Yeah. And it can be even greater than you ever expected the surprise. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so I just, I feel I'm really lucky that I found the right job for me. Mm-hmm. And um, this industry has given me so much in all spectrums of the relationships with artists and manufacturing partners. And mainly it was kind of like, I proved to myself that I could do it. And that was so <laughs> empowering after, you know, when the money actually started working and rolling in and I was like, yeah. damn, you know, yeah, you can um, do it. So how yeah, honestly, have, most of the time, it just doesn't feel like work. That's so me. good. That's, I mean, isn't that what we all dream of it waking up or one of the things that, um, a great quote I heard once, and I've probably said it on here before is you should, for your work, you should be doing the things you do when you procrastinate. And I remember the first time I ever <laughs> heard that, um, it was probably, early, early Pinterest. So I'm saying like what, 2012. And I remember like, what? how could I be on Pinterest all day? But really that is such a part of our, it is part of my job. It is part of, it always ever, you know, it's, it's resourcing. But you love it. And I love it. What do you do? I get to work with creative people. What I, I love nothing more than that. Yeah. Really. I know it's, it's so fun. It's, it's really a, just a blessing. It yeah. is. How have you seen or navigated, seen and navigated the change, uh, the changes that have come along in the industry. Like I'm wondering to me, from my point of view, I feel like there's so many more artists trying to um, be in this space, which is not a bad thing. Um, Now it's harder to go to a show, but there's so many people that need um, this creative input. There's so many things that we not, don't necessarily think of. Like we might think of, Oh, I'm going into my local cute boutique and I'm looking at this great mug and who made it, or, you know, anthropology has the best tea towels, but what about the packaging on that chocolate bar? Or, you know, there's so many, many types of products. So how, how has, have you navigated the change and what's it looking like for you? Uh, you mean with the with regards to the competition out there? The industry and and just is it is it easier or harder to find work for your artist? And is it yeah, I think just competition in the industry and just the other part of it is shows. Like not are you missing going to shows or is it working out okay? Like I'm just curious. I think it's working out really well, which surprises me. You know, when the pandemic hit, it was sort of like, whoa, okay let's batten down the hatches and see what happens. But with the, you know, the entrance of zoom and the meeting possibilities, mm-hmm. I've, I've really found it to be an okay thing, but it's definitely more competitive. And, you know, I think part of the reason I might be able to get a meeting is that the manufacturing partner knows I'm not going to waste their time. Yeah. I'm going to show them certain things that I think might really interest them. I'm not going to sit them down for two hours and you know, make them look at every piece of art or, or whatever. And, and just really being prepared mm-hmm. um, as possible, as much as possible for, for whatever it is you're planning to pitch them. Mm-hmm. And, and thinking there's a lot more prep time that goes into pitches mm-hmm. than, the, you know, it used to be you just showed a portfolio kind of, and here's this artist. But now, you know, you really need to specifically, I don't know how you feel, but um, I feel there's really more time needed to make a presentation specific to the manufacturer I'm 
going to go see. (laughs) Yeah. So not only, not only do we have to cultivate a portfolio, but we've got to target it towards whatever goods we're trying to license. Thank you for saying that. Yes. I I couldn't agree more. It just really makes the difference oftentimes between getting the contract. I, I say over and over again, people buy what they see. So you might as well show them what, what they're looking for. It's just as easy as that. I mean, if you're going to present to a company that does, you know, kids goods, make kids goods, like make it three-dimensional. Don't just throw, show them your patterns, but make like, show them what you can do. Look at the formats that they have in their catalog and put your art on that format. And I I feel like that shows two things. A, you're thinking about what they need, which is a compliment and gets your foot in the door and that you can think that way, that you can figure out how to build something to the shape that they need or, or whatever. You've done a little bit of research and I, so many people don't do that. It's, it's, it really helps to get the job. I'm not aware you know, you see, you would see that a lot more clearly than I would because I'm, you know, working with a, a smaller group of people. But, um, you know, I often will have people submit. I, I receive a lot of submissions, of course, like any agent, and they will submit their work and they'd, they'll say things like, oh, I just think my work would be perfect for shower curtains. That's one that often <laughs> is said. I think, I think my art would look great on shower curtains. And it's sort of like, well, okay, cool. Then take the extra step and, you know, create some product mock-ups, you know, create a bathroom ensemble with a a hand towel and a rug and a, and a shower curtain and a soap pump and all of those things. And, And not only is it good for the presentation, but it's really good for the artist to see if there's any limiting capacities to their yes. art going on to products, because <laughs> the art director, of course, would see any limiting capacities immediately, yeah. but an artist may not. And that right. you just get such a better understanding of how to, if you want to really work in licensing. True of how to do that. And I, I'm sorry for laughing, but I have to laugh because that's the example <laughs> that I use all the time, because often I would see in the beginning of when people started thinking mock-ups and products three-dimensionally, I would see a shower curtain, a shower curtain, a tissue box cover, and like a a phone case. And they would all have this giant. Which is basically the same thing because it's different size rectangles. Exactly. And it's a big rose and the big rose is on the shower curtain and the big rose. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Let's think through this. Like, think about what you buy. Like, how about making a pattern out of that rose? And the pattern might go on, but- also, how many people are making shower curtains? There's so many different things that you could look at. And I love that example because it, it does once you start, and maybe it is a shower curtain in a bathroom uh, suite of accessories, but what are those accessories? Could you make a cool soap dish? Maybe there's a, you know, a, a, a ceramic cup to hold toothbrushes or whatever, like, and how do those go together, but look different? My thing always is how do you make something so that, so you're selling, you, Alicia, are selling to the manufacturer who's then selling to the retailer and the retailer is selling to the consumer, that end client. So the goal all the way along is the manufacturer wants that retailer, that store or whatever it is, to not buy just one thing. They want them to buy a suite of things. And then that retailer, again, wants that buyer or the 
person walking in their door to buy more than one thing. So as a designer, if you can think all the way down that road and think, if I make these look the same, there's no reason to buy more than one. But if I make right. the rose pattern on this, the big rose over here, and then maybe a saying with a rose on it, please don't do that. Please. Don't and a rose. little border and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, a yeah. border. then there's a reason to buy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's more of a trend for that kind of mix and match look than ever before too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's really a, a current trend that is so hot too. I know a course you all can take uh, if you want to know more about that. Yes. Just saying. <laughs> you guys, I'm super excited to tell you a little bit more about windowsill workshops. This is something that has been in my mind longer than I've had windowsill chats but it's actually happening. It's happening. The first one is with Bonanza Designs on January 29th. It's Bethany and she was a guest on the podcast. She will be again this month of January. And the whole idea behind windowsill workshops is to bring you a little bit closer to the people you've heard on the podcast. So what happens is for two and a half hours on a Saturday, you get the opportunity to be live with that guest. In this case, it's Bethany Nichols, and she is a block printer, and she uses beautiful wooden hand-carved blocks that are done specifically for her in India. But you don't have to worry about having a handmade wood-carved block. We have other ways that you can go about doing it. So if you'd like to know more about it, hop onto my Instagram, the link in the bio, or go to tantaustudio.com and sign up for the waiting list and you'll be the first to receive the information. Again, it is going to be Saturday, January 29th, and they're not going to stop. We're going to have one a month. And if you can't make it live, the recording will be available too. And yes, they are a small fee because we want to give back to the artists that we are working with. So if you have any ideas as this gets going, I'd love to hear feedback. But in the meantime, you are getting the first scoop of windowsill workshops. The first one with Bethany Nickel of Bonanza Designs, January 29th. So hop over to the waiting list and you'll get all the information very shortly. So you, how many people did you start with? Do you remember? Oh boy. Um, I, well, one, one. Uh, okay. And then I got two and then I think I got four and, yeah. um, you know, and right now I have 16 fantastic wow. artists. That's awesome. What's um, kind of, what's kind of the, the, do you feel like you, you mentioned before kind of being a smaller agency uh, yes and and yes. and being lean talk a little bit about how you what's important to you about size and how many people you have and how you can um, work together in the best way because of size and things like that yeah I um, you know I I'm always looking open to looking at somebody's portfolio because you kind of have to be that way as an agent yeah. or you might miss a really great opportunity. But, yeah. but that said, I'm really clear that I am a smaller agency and I've always been really clear about that. It's never been my intention to um, <clears throat> represent dozens of artists and have this huge pool of talent um, like mm-hmm. some agents do so well. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, the reason for having a smaller agency is that you know I just really believe that a person only has so much what I would call bandwidth, yeah, um, you know, to, to mind. 
to do a good job. I want to do as good a job as I can for the people mm-hmm. that I work with. And hopefully, like we were saying earlier, it's a it's an artist partnership where we're working in tandem strategically to come up with ideas and for collections and who to pitch them to. Um, and that takes time. And if you worked with 100 artists, you'd have to have a pretty substantial staff to do that. Well. Right, right. And, you know, and, and some artists are busier than others. Some create multitudes of collections and others may not. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also, I just really feel that bigger is not always better. And I really believe that from a business perspective, an agent can do just as well representing a fewer overall, smaller overall portfolio of artists. Um, and I've been lucky to find artists who are very, very different from one another. I think that's important. Um, yeah, so I just yeah. sort of say, I don't want to be the biggest. I just want to be small and mighty. <laughs> I love that. I, I also feel like you, you set yourself apart, um, kind of from the outset. I feel like you find artists who a lot of them are makers as well, or maybe makers first that didn't think about licensing. And, and, uh, I really admire that point of view because that to me, your is your very creative eye kind of looking at somebody who might, you might've found at a, you know, a, um, art show or something like that, where you say, have you ever thought about yeah. licensing and yeah. a whole yeah, and- world opens up? That's sort of really how it's been. I mean, it's not like I surf Instagram and look for artists really or websites or it's just been kind of like keeping your eyes open and, mm-hmm. and looking around and, you know, sort of how I stumbled on Stephanie Burgess mm-hmm. was just walking down my street near my house and <laughs> there was her art in somebody's yard. And it was like, Oh, wow. What's that's this? cool. Yeah. What, who did that? That person do that in that house or what happened? And yeah, I don't know. Uh, and that's been a, really successful relationship. Um, but you be too, this is a, an artist that Alicia has um, by the name of Stephanie Burgess. And um, one of the things that I think you created with Stephanie are, were um, categories of product that didn't exist in the wholesale market before you got there. You guys, Stephanie had been doing things, uh, making things, and you guys figured out who to partner with to get that product um, made in a, on a broader level, instead of just putting it on a shower curtain, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and she, that's an example of, you know, the great fortune of finding an artist who actually had a product concept mm-hmm, along with mm-hmm. having a really unique style. Yeah. That's, um, that's kind of rare. It's very rare. I mean, I, I think that was like mana from heaven. Seriously. Mm-hmm. That was like, God was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is your lucky day. And, you know, mm-hmm. here's a little treat. <laughs> not so um, little, little, treat. not so little. Um, so, yeah, I, but I, I think your point about, you know, finding people who are makers, I mean, that's, that's always been really interesting to me, not only to find, you know, wonderfully rendered art in whatever mm-hmm. the medium it is, it's, you know, to, you know, I work with an person who wood burns and Stephanie and the person yeah. who creates images with scissors with share and so well. And right. I, I have a, tra- a wonderful traditional Japanese block print artist and, mm-hmm. you know, and there, I shouldn't probably mention names cause they're, I love them all, but they're right. You know, have, they all have something fun that you work with them because a little more uncommon maybe. Right. Too. And I think the cool thing about 
what I just want people to hear is, is you might, I, I, I come across this a lot where people think, oh, my art doesn't look like so-and-so's. And so maybe it's not ready to put out into the world or does it need, do I need to change this and look at like this? Or when I present my portfolio, should I put my, you know, three-dimensional art in there or my jewelry or my pottery or whatever? Yes is yes. Screaming yes is always my answer because it shows that you think in on different substrates and different ways and different dimensions. And you never know, you might as an artist find your success with what you've been making instead of just because you thought you had to illustrate in a certain way, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's true. You, you just never know what little piece of magic might click and you're good one person's eye to another. It's true. And I feel like you're good at, at, sourcing, curating, and finding that magic for sure. Thank you. It was in your main, it was in, it was in your list of things you wanted. Yeah. The little, the little action list, (laughs) your action list. (laughs) So, um, I'm sure people are thinking, Hmm, I'd like to, I'd like Alicia to have her eyeballs on my work. Are you, what are you looking for when you look at something? Would you like people to send you things if they're interested? Okay. Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a, a website link or some JPEGs yeah. or a PDF. I mean, not necessarily um, a box of things, but <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I guess that really, you know, I'm always looking for a look I don't currently mm-hmm. have or a hole in the portfolio. Um, so, so that's sort of important. Um, and like you said, we don't always know what that is until we see it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and particularly, again, in the licensing industry, another thing, um, you know, if the art is coupled with a unique way of turning a phrase, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in my original lesson with working yeah. with Jody Bergsma, you know, because we are in an industry that we're adding sentiment is can often increase the licensing possibilities. For Not sure. always, but often. I love that you've brought this up at least twice because, um, oh, my goodness, I I. I might bring it up again. (laughs) Please do. I love this topic. You know, um, my, one of my very favorite jewelers, she, she doesn't make it anymore, but Janine Payer. And, and it was because of what it said. I mean, of course, how it looked as well, but my goodness, she captured things that were life-changing for me. And and the fact that I can wear it. And, you know, when you think about when you go to buy a card or, uh, something that the word or the sentiment is often the reason to buy. And that's such an important thing to remember. So yeah. work on your lettering or it's not yeah. even, and there's a, but I want to make a point about that too. When I say work on your lettering, it's, I don't mean make it perfect. I mean, make it yours, right? Exactly. It's like, you know, if you have a way of saying something that sort of finds your voice, you know, maybe the phraseology or the, or the, the way that you turn a phrase is unique to you. Then that's, you know, and Stephanie is another good example of that. She's Mm -hmm. really good at kind of tuning into what people are wanting to say or needing. She has a really pretty good psychic sense of that Mm -hmm. and says it in a fresh way oftentimes. And not using too many words either. Yeah. Which is, both it can be either way. I mean, you look at somebody like Morgan Har- Harper Nichols who right now, or I think she'll forevermore be in our, in our 
mindset and, and visuals because she's so good, but she often puts many words out. And I just, I have so much admiration for somebody who can turn a phrase or a thought into something that you just feel like it's been in the world forever. And, and it's just how she says it. And well, then to somebody yeah. like Stephanie who can use few words, but they hit home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually a, a big trend again. Um, just words as wall art, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, we're seeing that come back mm-hmm. in a pretty big way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. what trends are you on the lookout for? Mm, you know, um, I am looking for art that may appeal to women of color or people of color. And that Love could that be so much, you know, art with different skin tones. It, it could be a portfolio rendered by a person of color, mm-hmm. or it could be, I've actually had an art director ask for that recently. Um, or it could be, you know, just a non-color artist that is mm-hmm. rendering art that's specific more to that demographic, you know, that culture, a little more with the hair and the, mm-hmm. um, maybe the phraseology again, or, you know, I'm not exactly really sure, but, um, but I, that, that is one thing also, um, I'm looking for uh, an art that may appeal to a younger, say 20 something male audience. Mm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe something a little more stark. It could be more about written sayings and phrases like we've been talking about, or maybe a little more street sign-esque or Mm -hmm. modern and edgy. Um, I'm always looking for an artist who can convey humor, Mm -hmm. humor, humor, humor. Say that three times fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, humor is, uh, it's, it's always something that's highly licensable. Yeah. So I'm writing, you know, Oh, well, you'll probably have a recording (laughs) of it. (laughs) I will, (laughs) you know, but above all, um, I just think it's critical to work with nice people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, aside from trends, I mean, it sounds simple, but people that have integrity and are honest and straightforward and, you know, that can be an artist or a manufacturing partner. Yes. You know, because, you know, I've had experiences like I guess we all have where you learn the hard way and um, life's just too short to not enjoy your work. I mean, you put too much of yourself into it. So I agree. You know, I have so, so many people talk to me about, you know, how to find an agent or my gosh, I've found it. I've been approached. What do you think about this contract? And my advice is. I always start with, I hope you can feel like you can be friends with them. Like you can sit down, you should be able to sit down and have a conversation because that's what you're going to need to do. Like, would you like to hello? Yeah. And thank you. (laughs) Can you do that? Because there are many that can't answer yes to that. And, and that should really be the first thing. Do you want to be friends with this person? Like really? Um, And share things because that's what you're going to need to do. And if, the, if yeah, that agent or, isn't responding in that way, then that's something to look out for as well. And even if you're not bosom buddies, it's, it should be looking for somebody that you resonate with, like yeah. you're saying. So, you know, that, that you can resonate you know, perfect, that you can, that's easy to talk to, that you can it's open to scheduling time to jump on the phone yeah. and discuss new directions or trends or ideas. And I, I think it's also really important um, to talk about what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. both directions, you know, is, so does the key. artist expecting to land X number of collections 
mm-hmm. uh, contracts within a certain number of time? Is the agent expecting X number of new collections from the artist? You know, what are the goals in terms of the range of product categories you mm. want to, you know, great point. to see your work on? What are the specific products? I mean, because we said now is more than ever, it's about developing specific presentations, which yes. takes time. So yes. having that conversation is, um, is really, in fact, it's a funny story. I, I recently had an artist call me and ask, you know, so how much can an artist make with you? you know, what's the range? And I just sort of, it sort of made me laugh because it's like, I'm not that powerful. I mean, it's not all about me. It's, it's, um, it, it, some artists only produce a handful of new work and others do a multitude of collections. And there really is a direct correlation, you know, between, uh, this success to the output of energy on both sides. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, and what that turns into who you can put that in front of and how it's responded to and right. Yeah. yeah and looking for manufacturers who make products. And I've heard you talk about this before um, that might match the art that you have, mm-hmm. you know, so um, look, I look at a lot of catalogs and ads and for fashion and gifts and tabletop. There's a couple of great publications, gifts and decorative accessories is a mm-hmm. great publication uh, Amy Stavis has a publication called Tableware Today. It's a great publication. Get subscriptions to those and, mm, great and look through them because they can really help to identify quality manufacturers who are also creatively oriented. You know, not all manufacturers have a vision for new and creative products. And mm-hmm. some manufacturers just kind of make the same thing over and over again and put new art on it. And then there's other manufacturers like Studio M, you know, mm-hmm. who, um, for example, who are open to making really unique products and right. that's really exciting. And it opens up so many possibilities and yeah, fun, fun creativity. So it's really an exploration, you know, it really is. And I love and, that you mentioned like ways that you look and, and keep aware of who's doing what and, and that artists can, can as well. Cause I think we, we know what's right in front of us, but those are industry magazines. And yes. And then you don't have to go to a show and spend a ton of money and, and, you know, which you may not find, I don't know. The show thing is it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the shows are like this year. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, gosh, I haven't been to one in three shows, two two, Two shows, two years, two years for sure. So three or four shows. So that's for the, I, I mean, you guys listening, I mean, that is for someone who's been to all those shows since I started my career, that's, that's a lot. So how is that industry changing? And I, um, you know, this is a conversation for another podcast probably, but, but things like fair people selling on fair instead of going to shows, I, you know, I think there's, there's certainly technological advancements that are changing the way things are sold. Too. Yes. But, Yes. Yes. But we lot, still... you know, Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just kind of thinking about um, also saying briefly that, you know, just talking about licensing, you know, licensing is certainly not for all artists, you know, right. it sounds Good exciting Good point. to be a part of it, but there's so many ways of being successful as an, an artist, you know, maybe you sell fine art or maybe you 
have a great business, you know, uh, successful business doing commissioned work. And, and that's so great. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to license your work. That's, this is just yeah. one of the ways. Yeah. Because then you're opening yourself up to multitudes of revisions and, mm-hmm. you know, deadlines and, you know, so, and be, you have to be able to distance yourself from what you've created because there's an excellent point. You know, you have to remember that a manufacturing partner is really only licensing the art and paying a royalty so that the product they make will sell. Right. You know, it's, it's, that's the reason. And so it's a really fine balance of artist vision working with the manufacturer's vision. Yes. I I have, I have licensed a few things in my day, not my own work, but other people's work who were like, you know what, if I can't, manage every single point of this down to where that I'm not even going to say what, what it is, because I don't yeah, want to give it yeah, away, yeah, yeah, yeah. but where that something or other is placed. I'm, I, I'm not going to, I'm like, whoo, you're not for licensing because licensing, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I actually have a story just like that, that kind of spoke to this. I, I once worked with an artist and she had this fantastically cool, unique idea for a greeting card line mm-hmm. that we licensed the collection to a manufacturer and um, they did really well with it for a couple of years. And it was kind of an art driven high end greeting card that had hand placed gems and stones and feathers and, you know, everything was great. And the manufacturer was expanding the collection on and on and on, but we just kept having stumbling blocks because this artist, the her vision for her work was that it had to have, you know, exactly this color feather mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. you know, or, yep. or why didn't they choose that design? That's my favorite one, you know, <laughs> and um, very resistant to art direction. And, you know, unfortunately it was so sad in the end because it really ended up sabotaging the collection where the manufacturer, we just became such a major issue that finally the manufacturer just said, you know, we really love this, but, yeah. We've just got to move on. I mean, you know, so yeah. And I, th- life- I think, yeah, sorry, I cut you off, but I'm no, just no, so you passionate about this. <laughs> I agree so much. And I think that's where a great agent like you can help, um, you know, take that artist by the hand, take the manufacturer by the hand at some points and say like, let's work together. Now the manufacturer is going to know who their client is, or at least hopefully they're, you know, they're figuring that out every day as well, but they know what, who their manu- who their client is. And they also know the limitations of the factories they're working with. So you make that mug or that artwork, excuse me, that's got all this red in it and you want to put it on a mug. And for several reasons, you can't because maybe the kiln can't fire it. So it turns that color red. It usually is a pinky Brown instead. And if you're going to sell it in California, it won't pass proposition. You know, there's all these things that, that the artist would have no idea. Of, no idea. You know? So and, it's a, it's a yeah. gentle, um, uh, journey. I think it is a gentle journey. And, you know, the manufacturer really has to have the ultimate say, say in the final product design, because, they're the one footing the bill and they, they know all the parameters, like what you're talking about. Um, and they want it to sell in the broadest way possible so that sure. everybody makes the most money that they can. So and- there are a lot of ways to be successful. Licensing is one. It's not the only one. Absolutely. Um, but you sure do a great job. 
Well, that's thank you. Thank you, Margo. That's so nice of you. Yeah. Back at you, girl. Thanks. Oh my gosh. I knew I would, I would love sitting down and talking to you because we align. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been wonderful professional relationship for sure. Yeah. yeah. And we kind of live close to each other too. We do now. I, I need to, now that we can, I need to venture, both, venture both out of and us. see you. Yeah. So do you, have we left anything out? Is there anything that you want to make sure people will know? You know, um, I think we've talked, the, the one thing I, I did, I wasn't sure how, you know, much your, your listeners may or may not know about licensing, but getting back a little bit to talking about time mm-hmm. and, you know, understanding that the agent doesn't make a dime until mm-hmm. just like the artist doesn't make a dime mm-hmm. until the pitch happens, which takes time to get organized for, and the contract is executed and the manufacturer makes the product and then it goes to market and then you have to wait for the first royalty check to come in. And so long time, that time, you really have to be in it for the long haul, just to quickly circle back to that aspect of licensing. Um, You know, you're looking at a good 18 months minimum probably Mm -hmm. for before you're going to make money. So coming into it with that expectation and knowledge um, yeah. for somebody who may not, might not know. That's and that's also, point. that's also where the artist and agent have to have great respect for one, for one another. And, and uh, so that, that investment of time will be worth it mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. both sides. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Cause then it can consist, like once you get past that 18 months, if you're consistently or fairly consistently working, then Got a pipeline, step in pipeline. the pipeline. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, anything in any, it's certainly any business, but creatively, you know, you think about that first time you picked up a paintbrush or a pencil or your Apple pencil or whatever it is, the more you do it and the more pages you fill in your, in your notebook, the more you get comfortable with it. And the same, you know, it's on into once you start licensing or start a new relationship and it kicks in, then, then it's rolling. So you just keep going. Yeah, exactly. So many good tips. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. I would love to know um, who's inspiring you right now. Yeah, you know, I have thought about this and I would have to say, um, you know, the last few years with COVID and the upheaval that everybody has had in one way or another, I, I have really been inspired in terms of my business more than anything by some of the manufacturing partners I work with and oh gosh the obstacles that so mm. many of them have had to overcome that have cost a lot of money yeah, um, yeah. you know staffing issues and shipping issues and pricing issues and sourcing issues and yeah it's just really inspiring to see the ones that have figured out a way to make things continue it's so impressive it's, it's been a difficult life. difficult road so that, that was one thing. And then many of the artists I represent obviously inspire me greatly and uh, add so much joy to my life and this job that I'm fortunate to have cultivated with them. And yeah. Joe Packham. Mm, yeah, yeah. And her beautiful publications, you know, Where Women Create and what, do you know, have you talked to her? She's, she's coming. Ah, coming yeah. That should be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, and you, you inspire yet. me. You inspire me, Margo. I mean, 
thank you. You know, working with you in licensing and you're so good at what you do and how you communicate and shepherd a project along and what you've done with this podcast. And it's just Thanks. such a good idea. It's, it's, you know, you are, you are like multitasking. You've got lots of different avenues going on. I'm sure, you know, sleep is kind of like, yeah, I got to sleep somewhere. Right. Once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, um, I just love connecting people and kind of helping people figure out how to, how to get further along. So it's, it all culminates to that for me. It sounds like it's working. So that's very encouraging. So far. So good. Yeah. It's exciting. (laughs) My kids inspire me, you know, my kids, they're, 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 uh, independent thinkers who are curious about the world and they disagree with me sometimes, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, so I love watching them grow. Uh, I love cooking a new good recipe. That's been Mm -hmm. kind of a silver lining of COVID cooking and walking and getting a good night's sleep when I can. And yeah, there's so many, so many inspirations out there. Oh, these are perfect. Thank you, Alicia. Welcome. You are welcome. This has been a really juicy, good conversation. I was ready for something like this. And I think there's just so much uh, for people to think about. And I would say, um, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me because this one, it might make you do some thinking and wondering about like, am I doing this the right way? So there's all sorts of resources. So thank you. Alicia. Thank you. It's been um, really challenging, a good challenge for me to think about my work in this way, you know, mm. and uh, how I would describe it. So just really grateful to know you. And thanks for asking. You bet. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.